The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. And man, I'm in a good mood. And I'm going to tell you why I'm in a good mood. Because to quote both Teddy Roosevelt slash Leslie Note from Parks and Recreation, the secret to happiness is to work hard at work worth doing with the people you love. And that's what we're doing right now. We're putting in the work, going to do a great show and I'm doing it in the company of people I love and care about. Lots of friends joining us this week. Producer Lauren's always here. And, uh, you know, Zach Sloan, one of my dearest in this world is co-hosting with us. We'll bring him in in just a second. And then of course, our guest coming up the next segment, keeping the list of friends going. One of my favorite, most dear friends in the entertainment business is joining us as the guest next segment, Larry Million, the faculty director of Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio, which happens to be Break the Business's Slam Radio home. He's going to join us to give some advice to our indie creators. So yeah, we got lots of friends around us, so we are having fun. We're working hard. We're for with work worth doing with the people we love. Who could ask for more? Zach Sloan, talk to me, man. How you doing? Dude, I am great. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, I've been reading about Teddy Roosevelt lately, by the way. Did you know that? I think every millennial or older has to go through their Teddy Roosevelt phase Dude, where was... you get into like the Teddy Roosevelt rabbit hole and just like you just read more and more amazing Teddy Roosevelt facts. Dude, it's crazy. I love it. So <laughs> I, I, keep keep bringing the Teddy Roosevelt wisdom my way, man. And you know, Teddy Roosevelt's one of those people that like if you hear a story from somewhere... Even if it's a complete lie, if it's about Teddy Roosevelt, you believe it. It's like, did you know Teddy Roosevelt killed three bears with his index finger? You'd be like, yeah, it sounds about right. I it's... think I remember reading about that in history class. Three bears, yeah. Yeah, that's about what's, uh, yeah, that's about correct. I think you could say, he, you know, you could say he time traveled and I'd be like, checks out. Yeah. I think, I think that was one of his post-presidency things, you know. Like, I remember, yes. I remember, I swear I remember reading about the whole time travel thing. Um, this is, I enjoy the prospect of what this rep episode represents Zach, because to me, this episode is like when you get two cool friends and you get to like have them meet for the first time. I'm so excited for you to meet our guest in the next segment, Larry Million, if for no other reason that, you know, he gave us our satellite radio home, but in terms of like being just a real nice dude in this business, as a as a fellow nice dude in the entertainment business, Zach, you know that nice people, good people, people who are in this for the right reasons, so hard to come by. And so I'm excited to have you two meet and just you know share your love of music and creation and sports. Uh, it's it's going to be an absolute blast, man. Well, when I saw him on the on the guest list today, I was like, I I know that name, and I got to thinking, I was like, didn't he do an education podcast episode with Ryan back in the day, like? <laughs> I've I've seen this so I've heard his fantastic voice before. I can already tell I like this dude. And I'm really looking forward to see what he brings to the discussion cuz you got the legal background, I got the musician bad legal background. 
he's got a different angle than the two of us, so I'm very interested to hear what he has to say. I love these classic radio folks, and and I like the idea of bringing in a uh, a sports talk radio expert, which is what yes. Larry's background is in. We've had a couple sports talk people on the show before. Kelsey Nicole Nelson, amazing sports journalist, was on the show, and I think indie creators they're they're not just musicians, although we certainly have lots of we cater a lot of our programming toward musicians around here, and they're not just TikTokers. We are seeing this emerging class of independent creators in the sports talk space. They're doing YouTube, they're doing TikTok videos about sports a lot of young people are consuming their sports not through espn not through traditional terrestrial radio but through tiktok and i think you know larry who's on the cutting edge of teaching young people about sports media and radio is doing a lot of that stuff and i'm excited to get his perspective about where sports media is going because i know there are people who listen to this show that are intrigued by that field maybe want to get into it well and i'll tell you my exclusively i I digest my sports content from YouTube and other places like that because I'm just ESPN was great for me when I was younger, but now it's just it they take themselves so seriously. I can't take it anymore. I watch the I'm a Broncos fan, the That's Good Sports YouTube channel. That dude is hysterical and gives me all the Broncos news I need. And I think this is the best way to really get good sports coverage is to go just to find the people who are like I'm going to do it my way with the with no filter, and we'll see how this goes. And those guys are all, almost always my favorite. I'm interested in getting Larry's perspective on this, but I feel like the some of the best voices that you're hearing in sports media right now are not from ESPN. And that's no hate on ESPN. Like they're they're amazing, and I grew up like watching Sports Center religiously. But like when you ask me, who are the most important voices in sports media that are leading like the next generation of the conversation? It's like Pat McAfee. It's Dan Lebitard. Mm-hmm. It's the barstool guys. And like, you know, I'd probably put Bomani Jones in there. And I know he's an ESPN person, but like, I think his he's on borrowed time with that network. And it's only a matter of time before he does his own thing. I think the biggest voices in sports media are going to be independent ones. And so when I think of an industry that really just fits the spirit of what our show is about, which is, you know, empowering independent creators, it's sports media. Oh, absolutely. And you know the thing is, is I feel like one thing I've always had in common with my with my sports brethren is that everybody assumes that it's easy. They're like, "Oh, you just talk sports. You can you can anybody talk about anything for an extended period of time unless you're really good at it?" The answer is no. And I always find that people are like, "Oh, you just play guitar. It's not that hard." Shut up. Oh, you just talk about the Bronx. Shut up. It's actually a skill. So I I can't wait to hear what this dude has to say. Oh yeah, no, it it is a sports talk is. It's a it, it seems easy, right? Because like every as you were noting, like, you know, you sit around your friends, you talk sports. But I when you see what Larry does, it's an art because he does like a four hour radio show, five hour radio show every single day. And you can probably like, you know, any average Joe can talk about sports for 30 minutes straight. Yeah. And and maybe if I have you stretch for an hour, you can do it for an hour. But eventually you're going to run out of takes like every cool, edgy sports take that you have. You're going to burn through in the first hour of your show. You still need to finish two more hours of that show and then do another show every day for the whole week, for six months, for a year, for 10 years. That's really hard to do and to keep it entertaining and engaging like we do once a week here at Break the Business. I can't imagine if this were a daily program like that is a skill. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's so hard for me to keep up with content that I'm oftentimes turning to, you know, chatbots to help educate me with 
what I need to be talking about. And they'll oftentimes, <laughs> I generally am not even giving you my opinions. I'm just typing things into a chat bot that tells me what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that uh, a lot of uh, sports journalists or sports talk people are going to start using those things. I actually do want to talk to you about AI this week because it's been on my mind, Zach. But first, I want to try something a little different here on Break the Business. This is something I've never done before, but I've gotten some listener feedback saying, look, we love the conversations. We love the interviews. But like, I would love more solid tips. For my career. And so what I want to do, and I, that, was, that is good feedback. And so I want to introduce a new segment on Break the Business called Tip of the Week, where basically I'm just going to give a quick tip to start the show off. We can talk a little bit about it and then like get on with the next segment. So here's the tip of the week. All right. This one is going to be about time blocking because it's something we talk about a lot in the show. I know it's super important. So the tip of the week as indie creators, it's important to stay focused and productive in order to achieve your goals. And one way to do that is by setting aside dedicated time for creative work, blocking your time out. This can mean blocking out an hour or two each day, or even setting aside an entire day or weekend to focus solely on your creative projects. By setting aside dedicated time for creativity, you're going to be able to avoid distractions and make the most of your time. Plus, it can also help improve your mental focus and concentration. So the tip of the week this week, Zach, is to set aside dedicated time for creative work. It is a simple but effective way to improve your productivity as an indie creator. As a producer, Zach, out of curiosity, oh, uh, look, look at Laura there throwing the graphic in there, Ryan's tip of the week, uh, especially when you're balancing you know, a nine-to-five job, like I would imagine that a lot of what you do as a producer is the product of time blocking. Oh, for sure. And even, like, even now where I'm producing other acts much less, I'm doing my own stuff more, I've actually started going back to the exact thing you're talking about. Because I've had an album mostly done for about a year and a half, but I haven't set aside the time to mix and master it. And I finally realized, you know what I have to do? Let's let's utilize that it's really a singles market now anyway. And I block off a time every month to work on a song so that I can, I've actually released two singles in the past two months because I finally am using time blocking to make sure I'm getting something done. And it is an invaluable tool. You gotta be, you gotta be doing it. I love that. So yeah, I mean, this, so you're, you're really living it. And I think for a lot of, whether you are a full-time creator where this is everything you're doing, or, you know, you are trying to balance, you know, a day job with creating, I think time blocking still plays an important role because it's how you get the most hours out of the day. So there you go. That's the tip of the week. I thought that went pretty well. Now, Zach, you mentioned earlier, you talked about um, chat GPT and AI and man, that is, that is like, it's been the only thing on my mind the last few days. So, um, let me tell you what happened to me. All right. A few days ago, I'm in Boston on a business trip and I see something on Twitter where somebody mentions this chat bot called chat GPT. And it's this artificial intelligence platform that can answer any question. And it sounds just like a real human. And the reason why I'm using this skeptical voice that I'm using right now is that I've heard about these before, right? Chat bots have always been a thing. And there's no way it's as amazing as everybody says it is. So I created a free account on ChatGPT. Anybody can do this, by the way. It's completely free. You just you know use your Google account to log in or whatever. And I just start asking it questions. And Zach, by the end of this thing, I am hiding under my blanket, afraid that this thing is going to like take over and be the next Skynet. This ChatGPT AI, Zach is is horrifying have you had a chance to play with this thing yet well let me tell you what it just told me i said what should i tell ryan 
It is not appropriate for me to tell you what to say to Ryan. You should communicate with Ryan in a way that is respectful and considerate of their feelings and boundaries. It's important to have an open, honest communication in any relationship. Be sure to listen to what Ryan has to say and express your own thoughts and feelings clearly and openly. I feel like I owe Chad GPT $20 for that. Um, it's terrifying because I've also had it, had it write me songs in the style of Taylor Swift and Aerosmith about cheese, and they are pretty spot on. Yeah, you can ask this thing to do a whole lot of stuff, okay? Like, I mean, in addition to being able to answer, like, most any question, which, you know, again, Google can do, this thing is capable of some pretty impressive critical thinking. So I'm also a teacher when I'm not lawyering or podcasting, and I'm finishing up the final exam for my ethics course. And just for fun, I give my very complicated final exam question to ChatGPT. I just enter it in into the uh, interface and ask it to write me an essay. And damn it, if it didn't write me an A plus essay, it wrote me a model answer, Zach. Like it wrote an it wrote a better answer in three tenths of a second than I could write in three hours. And you know, I mean, as an instru- as a teacher, I'm like afraid of like what this means for plagiarism. <laughs> No kidding. I mean, yeah, but that's that's a whole other like podcast for educators that is, you know, worth freaking out about. But but if you want to know how powerful this thing is and how human sounding this thing is and how much this could like replace a lot of people's jobs, you know that tip of the week that I just did? Chat GPT wrote it. Oh jeez. And I didn't even and and Zach, I didn't even say to Chat GPT Write me a tip of the week about time blocking. I said, write me a tip of the week about for uh, just for my podcast for indie musicians. So not only did it choose the topic, it like was able to figure out, oh, what's a, what's an important topic for indie musicians to know about? Oh, time blocking, which is by the way something we talk about on the show all the time. And then it wrote like a perfectly cogent answer that like is in natural language that sounds like a script that somebody could read that was all ai now i thought you had a script but i thought you wrote that script no no yeah i definitely wrote it was definitely a script but like i didn't write a damn thing like i was like oh ryan prepared tip of the week he actually wrote this thing out to make make sure it's you know fluid and concise and now i find out you stole it from a robot dude absolutely your liver is in danger because it's coming for you it's gonna take you out piece by piece. I've seen how these movies go, dude. You gotta watch out. They go well, for organs first. They know how to take a human down. <laughs> well, I'm certainly frightened that this platform is coming for podcasters, but there are plenty of voices out there that are wondering, are is technology like this coming for musicians and other creative professionals? There was an article in Billboard uh this week uh that the headline was What Happens to Songwriters? when AI can generate music. And basically what the article was talking about is how there are a bunch of music companies that are emerging using the same kind of technology that Chad GPT does that is allowing any layperson to write a song without musical knowledge, without training platforms like Boomi, Soundful, BandLab, Songstarter, and Authentic Artists. They're, they're using AI to allow anybody just coming off the street to write a hit song and it's kind of created these two camps. And, you know, I, I, you know, talking to the singer songwriter here who might be nervous about what I'm saying, you know, there's really two camps about this. You have one camp like the doom and gloom crowd. That's like, well, this is the end of my entire livelihood. Uh, you know, you can AI is going to write songs and I can't anymore. And the other side of the uh, coin are people who are saying, no, 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 this is great for songwriters because this is a tool. 
You know, nobody said that when the personal computer was invented that it was going to put songwriters out of business. It was a tool that songwriters can use. And so um, one of the, you know, the CEO of Soundful was saying that all this thing is doing is being a jumping off point for writers to build songs like this. This can help give you a starter melody. This can help create some basic musical elements that you as the creative professional can work with and fine tune to create the true human element of a song. But I mean, whatever way we're going, whether it is the end of songwriters as we know it, or this is just a, another tool to make songwriters, be songwriters better, or the most likely scenario, something in between, I mean, the world will never be the same. I agree. I don't think this is the end of the of songwriters. And the reason and I'm going to I'm going to take you down my nerd rabbit hole, Ryan. I love the nerd game Magic the Gathering. And every time they do something new in that game, the nerd community goes, "It's the end. It's over." And they've been <laughs> saying it's over for 25 years. Um and I feel like there is a chicken little element to to music a lot too where every new thing is the end. Napster was the end. Kind of was for record labels, but um <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, I, I find, I find myself more in the tool camp because, sure, I, did this AI write me a dope Taylor Swift song about cheese? Yeah, but it's gonna take someone of her talent level to deliver this cheese song to really make it connect. And there, I think the human element or connection—you better at least be able to be one heck of a performer, or an incredible liar, or incredibly <laughs> sincere. To, to have somebody else write everything for you and you have staying power in the industry. Um, that's that's my spicy take is that this is not the, that bad. I think kind of cool. It is an exciting prospect. And I, I think there's something to be said for, I mean, let's see the best way to put this. Um, I should probably ask Chad GPT. But, <laughs> the, but like, I, I think like we, there's something kind of exciting about the idea of removing proficiency barriers between the pure creativity of humans and actually creating some work of music, right? If we were talking about a hundred years ago, if you wanted to be able to compose or like, you know, 300 years ago, whatever, if you go back to like Beethoven's time mm -hmm. and you wanted to like compose, you needed to be like wealthy enough to have access to an orchestra. You needed to have, you needed to learn like how to play like the harpsichord. You needed lessons for that. You needed to get like the patronage of a very wealthy person. There was a lot of barriers between like a person's creative musical mind and creating beautiful stuff. But like we, you know, and even like in more modern times, you used to have to at least know how to play the piano to write and produce music. And now in the era of DAW, some of the most cool music is being created by people who don't know how to play any musical instrument. And to me, that doesn't make them any less of a creator or a musician. Some of the stuff that they're making is beautiful because the brilliant artistic creative mind is still there. And we've just removed the barriers to entry to allow that creative mind to be creative. So the, I, I think if AI can do that, where it's it's just basically making it easier for the creatives to create the final product, that ultimately creates more art. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get that lyrics are always going to be different than everything else in music, but I make records on my own in my home, my studio here, in a large part because I sample drums. I'm not a good drummer. I'm a terrible drummer, but. I'm able to sample drums, and I know how to program it well enough that I can make records in a way that works for me. I don't see this as that much different. Yeah, I, and uh, our, our listener here, Dueling Land, agrees with you. He wrote, 
He writes, uh, he or she writes, I feel like this could be the next step up. Much like beatboxes, loops, and electronic devices, nothing will ever compare to someone creating and playing it live. So um, I, I think that's like that's the more optimistic notion. And me, ever the optimist, like I want to subscribe to that view that there will always be a place for humans. And when I think of, I can't help but think of like the impacts that this is going to have on the creative community without also thinking about the impact that AI can have on the music business side and even the legal side. There was a really cool article in Water from Water and Music, Sherry Who's uh, platform, talking about what does chat GPT mean for the business side of the industry? And are and some of those people, are their roles going to change or be replaced? And so the, uh, the article gave like an example of some things that chat GPT could do. For example, uh, somebody in, in the water and music community had chat GPT write a bulleted to-do list for th- a musician who's planning a tour. It told chat GPT, Hey, I'm planning a tour as a musician what are some of the things I need to make sure I do? And it gave this like 17 point bullet point list of like all the advanced work that an artist needs to do. And like, that's valuable for artists. Like that's, that's a tool. Now, how about this one? Somebody told chat chat GPT draft a contract for a venue to sign for venues to sign when booking an artist for a tour. And it spit out like a perfectly formatted contract. It had a lot of the terms you need to see in there. And I'll tell you, as a lawyer, was it a perfect contract? Did it have everything that I would put in there if I was a lawyer? No. But was it pretty damn close for something that was written in three-tenths of a second? Yes. And, you know, this lawyer was sweating a little bit reviewing that contract and being well, like, wow, that a machine did that. What I love about this is that example of getting a contract done that way. And obviously, guys, consult with a lawyer to make sure that the Things don't slip through. Yes, for the love of God, yes. Yes, always do that. (laughs) But back in my law practice days, whenever I needed contracts for companies and things, I would always start with a stock model contract. And there are companies that produce those. And that's what they do is they make a living. They make their money by producing these stock contracts that you tweak. And now somebody else is doing that exact same thing faster, cheaper, and probably with a little little bit more nimble as to update. Because I'm sure, Ryan, as you add things to it and eventually the uh, chat bot figures out what it's missing, it will refine that over time. Whereas if you just buy a book of stock contracts, you got to replace that every year. It, it made me definitely consider the possibility that someday soon I could use chat GPT or something like it to at least create the form contract that you were talking about mm-hmm. that I would then rework because yep. what chat GPT can do for an entertainment lawyer that a form can't do is let's say I want the form contract, but I specifically want the form to have a particular term in it. I can't tell a book yes. of forms to do that, but I can tell Chad GPT, hey, um, draft me a venue agreement for an artist, but make sure it has an indemnification provision in there that is favorable to the artist. And it can do that. And then I can now have a form that I can rework, that I can improve upon, that I can make something that I'm actually okay with the client signing. But th- that, you know, to me, that's a valuable tool that's going to save me time, that's going to save my client money and I don't think we're that far away from that being the future of law. And so I'm equally amazed by that, but also kind of like scared and I want to hide under a blanket. I can't wait. You know what? I just I wish that I was still a trial attorney so that I could be getting ready for cross-examination. But Your Honor, can I just have one moment? I need to ask, <laughs> get some notes going here. What should I ask this person? Yeah. Um, this is cool. <laughs> I 
I I don't have a major moral or you know even business concern about this. I think it's going to be a tool that we're going to have to learn to deal with. I think that it's ultimately going to be a good thing for musicians. Um, the big I do think Mary Amber has an interesting point. The biggest issue is when people won't know when it's human and when it's AI. Uh, agreed. Yeah. I, th- I think I think that I understand what she's getting at there. I also think that sometimes with the number of ghostwriters out there, and again, this is a human exi- human writing for human. You don't always know if the person you're listening to wrote that anyway. But it's, yep. it's a different thing. Unless you're listening to Mary Amber, then you know she wrote it because she wrote it on stream in front of you taking feedback from her fans while she wrote the song she's playing well, it. When I think of indie indie creators that could never possibly be replicated by artificial intelligence, Mary Amber, Mary Amber ranks pretty highly on that list. Can't. A true original in every sense of the word. Um, you know, when you talk about what this could mean for the future of content, I was actually having a conversation with a friend of the podcast, Bill Bolton, about this uh, about an cool. hour ago today. And I think what we landed on was the idea that AI is not going to replace, you know, the truly human spectacular content. What it could replace in terms of humans being involved in it is low level content, right? Like think of all the websites out there that have like advice for indie creators that are just crunching out these basic articles, five tips to do better with your social media or whatever. And some, some independent contractor is writing it for next to nothing and it's soul crushing work for them. And they're just trying to do it to make a buck. And you know, all these articles are the same. That's the kind of article that chat GT chat GPT could write right now in less than a second. And so I think the future of like the factory style content where you're just like crunching out a ton of, you know, low level Buzzfeed style you know, advice articles, whatever. I think AI is going to replace that very, very soon. Whereas the truly artistic achievement in, in, you know, the higher, the higher forms of art and music and things like that. I think AI is at best a tool, but I think humans can never be replaced there. Or at least that's what I'm going to tell myself to feel better. That's what I'm going to tell myself, dude, as I <laughs> fall asleep shaking. All right, before we bring in Larry Million after our break here, I did want to uh, give you a chance to tell us about a really nifty Kickstarter tip that you were telling us before the show. I'd love for you to share with everybody because this, this was pretty cool for me. This is So this is dope. This is my man, uh, Jeremy Facknitz, who I have been a fan of his music for forever. I produced uh, an album of his a while back. And so uh, I'm not... You sh- you sh- you just got to go to Jeremy's website, jeremyfacknets.com, to really get the ins and outs of this. But he launched a kick- Kickstarter with the goal of not recording the album. He actually had the album done when he started the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter is not to make the record. The Kickstarter is to promote the album. He has done this long enough, and he's a savvy dude. I've worked with him in the studio. He's fantastic. He can make a record efficiently, quickly, and on the budget he can set for himself. What he needs is help promoting it. And so to ask his fans, hey, I want to promote this record, help me do that, I had never seen somebody do it, and I thought, man, maybe I've been missing the Kickstarter boat because I always thought it was just to make albums. Well, heck, Ryan, I make my own records here. Like, I don't need $20,000 to do that. But, man, have I left something on the table by not using, you know, the crowd, the crowdsource and my fan base to promote myself more? And I thought, Jeremy, dude, you, you did something gutsy here, and I really, really like it. Um Check JeremyFactness.com out. The dude is amazing. He writes great songs, and that was just a creative use of Kickstarter. It is a, it is a pretty interesting use of Kickstarter, and it does kind of articulate a dilemma that a lot of creators have, where when most people think of a Kickstarter campaign for an album, it is, you know, send me some money to fund the creation of my album. But you know better than anybody, Zach, 
it's getting cheaper and cheaper than ever to actually create albums. The real expense is in what happens next, the promotions and the touring in support of the album. And I've actually seen the opposite of what you're talking about there, Zach, where artists will do the Kickstarter where they say, I need, you know, $10,000 for my album, but the album's already done. They're telling their fans it's for the album, but really it's for everything that happens next, but they're telling the fans it's for the album. And, but so I, I, I am interested. I like Jeremy's approach, which is I'm not going to hide the ball. I'm not going to lie to the fans. I'm going to tell them exactly what I need the money for. The album's done. Uh, I did it. Help me fund the next step. The step that, you know, really matters in terms of getting this project uh, in front of as many people's ears as possible. And it, it's an interesting approach. I, I would be interested in knowing kind of how it's going to shake out, like how his fans are going to respond to that. If they respond differently to a campaign to create something, as opposed to a campaign to bring that something out into the world once created. Well, he met his goal. I think it was $15,000 um, met, met his goal. I know wild. Um, and I actually called him and I was like, dude, you're nuts. Cause I, I, you know, I was like, what are you doing? And I said to him, did you ever consider just lying? And he's like, people, people mentioned to me that this was really weird. He's like, I just didn't feel good about lying to my fans. So I just told them and he just put it all out there. And I was like, that's the gutsiest move I've ever seen. And so absolutely what you said crossed his mind and he opted not to do it. I think he's a pioneer. I think we need to dispense like musicians need to dispense with the fiction that, you know, the Kickstarter is for the creation of the album. You know, mm. you know, with with all the technology that exists today and with like folks like Zach, you know, being able to make music in his in his basement and it sounding every bit as good as the stuff that used to be made in like, you know, for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in some space age studio somewhere. That's not where the financial need is for creators. And so I would be interested to see if we're going to see more artists do this with Kickstarters where they're real with their fans be like, look. We got the easy part done in terms of the financial output, which is making the album, but taking it out on tour and, um, you know, handling the, all the business stuff that's going to be required, the, the registration of the copyrights, paying a lawyer to make sure that like everything's been buttoned up. I got a lot of contracts that are going to be coming my way that I need help with. That's the financial need. Help me with that. And I, I, you know, I'm hoping that fans, respond to that and get have an understanding of where the real expenses are for creators and respond with uh, continuing to support these Kickstarter campaigns. I hope so too. Jeremy, congratulations, my dude. Yeah. How about one more cartoon party horn for him? Cause love to see any artist getting their Kickstarter funded. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back in two minutes with my friend, Larry Million, faculty director of slam radio. Keep checking out, break the business. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Stop. 
Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTV Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Thanks, me. Welcome back to Break the Business. We are so thrilled to be having you here, and thank you for checking us out wherever you're checking us out. Some of you listen to us on the podcast, the original podcast fans. Some of you are checking us out on our Twitch or Facebook Live or Twitter live stream, wherever that, whatever live stream service you're using. And also a great many of you are enjoying us on SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio, and we are very grateful for you to be hanging out with us there. Wherever you're checking us out, we're thrilled to have you, but let's stay in this serious XM vibe, Zach Sloan, because we got a fantastic person to be talking to right now. Our guest this week, the co-founder and faculty director of Sirius XM Slam Radio, the only Sirius XM satellite radio station run by high school students, which also happens to be the satellite radio home of Break the Business. Our guest is also an acclaimed sports talk radio host who is currently the leading voice on the Good Morning Amigo Sirius XM sports radio program. You can find out more about our guest by checking him out on Twitter at The Amigo, and you can also check him out on Slam Radio by tuning in to Sirius XM 145. We are thrilled to welcome Larry Million on to Break the Business. Hi, Larry. What's going on? How's everybody doing? What's up? Oh. Not too so, bad. Not too bad. So good to be chatting with you, Larry. Uh, w- one of my favorite people uh, with Zach Sloan, another one of my favorite people. Like, I feel like Zach wants to be able to talk sports with you, Larry, but at the same time, Zach's <laughs> also a Broncos fan, so I don't know what he has to be happy about in sports right now. Yeah, that's not going well for you, Zach, huh? And we got three more years on that contract, I think. So, so uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, but listen, when you're a Broncos fan, there's two ways it happens. Is either, you know, you've blown out in the Super Bowl repeatedly. Actually, there's three ways. You get destroyed in the Super Bowl. You win with whatever's left of Peyton Manning's arm. Um, or you're terrible. And that's really, you know, we're, we're in camp, camp three right now. Um, and so I th- <laughs> think it's less just be bad year round rather than get all the way to the Super Bowl and lose by 50 points. I'm just saying. How did it work out to be the Broncos? You're from Denver? So I grew up in New Mexico. My dad is from uh, Castle Rock, which is where I live now and right outside of Denver. So we grew up Broncos fan. And when you're in New Mexico, there's no pro teams. So everybody was a Cowboys fan because they were good at the time. And, you know, I I went Broncos. And then uh, here we are where I'm just painfully watching Russell Wilson throw fewer touchdowns than he has bathroom uh, toilets in his house. But Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. (laughs) I spent a little time in Denver, so I know how passionate Bronco fans can be and uh, it's, God, I lived there for about six months. But Den- Denver's yeah. an in- interesting city, but the Broncos are very important to them. So when they're bad, things are bad around town. They make fun of them, and they're, they're a tough crowd. Tough crowd. 
it is a tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, I I've I know I've told you this all the time, but I'm a big fan of what you do. And in terms of the intersection that you have with this program, I feel like a big part of what we are talking about in terms of strategies to help indie creators move forward is really just trying to get some of the older creators to catch up to what the young people already know and are already doing, right? The young people know TikTok, they know Twitch, and those are the platforms that they're already comfortable with. And so I'm thrilled that we're talking to somebody whose job it is, is to train the next generation of media professionals, to take the old strategies with the new technologies, blend it together and create some amazing professionals in this industry. And what an amazing forum to do it at Slam Radio, the only Sirius XM radio station run by high school students. Can you give people a little bit of a description about how this works? Because I'm sure a lot of people are like, what? High school kids running a Sirius XM station? How? Well, it's difficult to comprehend. Sometimes it's so difficult to comprehend that um, that even the people who work inside the building don't understand how it works. But it's <laughs> it's absolutely uh, a lot of moving parts. The class itself is the production of the radio show Good Morning Amigo. Uh, part of their curriculum is they're required to do podcasts, and we teach them how to do podcasts. Uh, we simplify it and make thirty minute podcasts. Uh, Easy peasy, lemon squeezy for a bunch of kids that have a hard time putting together a couple of thoughts that are very shy, afraid of their own shadows. Uh, in Little Havana, a lot of them are first generation Hispanic Americans. And, and quite honestly, that, that takes a little courage because their parents don't know what the country's like. So they can't even give their kids the right advice. Like, Ryan, your parents knew what kind of advice to give you. Even my parents. Uh, who weren't from this country but lived in this country and understood the country a little better. They were okay at it, but 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 a lot of these folks uh, will come from other countries and have a different mindset than America. And one of the things that the family values that go on are the ones that there's a strict parenthood, but there's also an obedience from the kids that require them to be a little subservient. It means they never find their own voice if they stay like that through high school. And you and I, and all of us, Zach, you know that if you stay quiet, well, no, nothing good's going to come from that. You got to be able to speak your mind, but you also have to be able to communicate. Uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil is the saying I like to use. Um, so you got to teach them their own confidence before you can figure out if they're any good at it or not. Um, I've told you before, Ryan, a lot of times they're okay, but the value of the class is the fact that they find their own voice. They find their own confidence. Uh, they learn what they're good at, and you know, all of a sudden you make it their specialty. And the next thing you know, they're just – I mean, they're tickled pink because they're doing something, and they realize that it's on a grand scale. But 34.91 million subscribers, nearly 75 million potential listeners, uh, it is the largest radio platform on the planet. And I love saying that because it's true. And these kids, when they absolutely capture the notion that that's what's going on, the conversations are just, they're fantastic. Now, they'll kid around and they'll be kids sometimes. And uh, a morning show, that's pretty good, right? Uh, but when you have to get crazy and, and topple topics like Roe v. Wade or discuss other things like, you know, January 6th uh, insurrection and, and anything that had to do with something that was important in today's day and age, these kids have an opinion on it. And if you teach them how to research it and then you tell them your voice needs to be heard, Listen, kids all want to be a part of something. When they realize that the part of this something means they get to speak up and say some things that are on their mind, you'd be surprised at the results we get. So you can't really separate Slam Radio 
from the community in which you're serving, right? This is, you know, Little Havana is an na- inner city neighborhood in Miami. It's not affluent. It's a, you know, a lot of first and second generation families. And from what you're telling me, like a big part of what you're doing isn't just to train the next generation of media professionals, although you're doing a lot of that because you're already seeing that first group of kids getting into the radio and media fields. But you're also trying to empower this community. You want this community to have a powerful platform that is theirs so that they can find their that generation can find their voice. What I uh, what I do find interesting and also very fulfilling is when you get opportunities to speak people, you know, who who are in in higher positions. They 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 listen. We did a project, Ryan, with the city of Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. We got four kids from Slam, two from Slam Radio. The other two represented Slam Radio, but they were from video broadcasting. And we put together a team to help produce a podcast with Francis Suarez and David Webb, a SiriusXM radio host. This was synergies and a partnership with SiriusXM, Pandora, the mayor's office at City of Miami. Uh, we did it at the New Digs over in Miami Beach in, uh, for City of Miami. Um, I'm sorry for SiriusXM. And the bottom line is these kids got national exposure for producing, you know, a national level podcast with a with a mayor. They get to speak with the mayor. They got to talk to him, have a one-on-one with him. Uh, a very unique experience. You turn around, the mayor tells me, I had no idea this is what you were doing in my own community. So we're getting the word out. And, and it's great knowing that they understand that every year there's going to be between 100 and 150 kids that their lives, the foundation is going to shake a little bit because they're going to not only learn to speak up, but we're going to hold them accountable. It's so important. Uh, you remember, Ryan, when we were kids, right? Uh, we always felt like they didn't listen to us, right? I, I don't care what anybody tells me. But what what a powerful tool knowledge can be. And you teach these kids, you teach these young adults the power of that knowledge. And then when they speak up with that knowledge, allow me to explain to you that no grown-up can sit there and go, ha, and scoff at them because they're actually teaching the older person. They have a knowledge of today's world that sometimes guys like us don't necessarily understand or takes longer for us to understand, uh, no matter how open-minded we can be. And it's a great tool to have these kids on your side because as you're teaching them about things, they're turning around and teaching you. And it's it, it becomes quite an amazing synergy. On the radio, you feel a camaraderie. I don't have an argument with kids on the air. No, no, no. We're always having a good time. It's the best radio show I've ever done. They're the best co-hosts I've ever had. It's the most amazing uh, experience of a lifetime. Well, in terms of, you know, you learning just as much from the kids as the kids are learning from you, I think a big part of that is the technological divide, right? You are you are training students on a platform, satellite radio, that is, you know, is, you know, is is certainly less, you know, is certainly less uh, antiquated than terrestrial radio but is still not as you know current as some of the new media platforms that are coming out, podcasting, Correct. live streaming. And so you're training students on a medium that isn't even the most recent medium. And so you, you know, trying to be, get out ahead of that, have also incorporated some of that other media into your work. You guys are podcasting. You guys are live streaming. You guys are using social media. Can you talk about how you're sort of crafting that balance of exposing students to all the different forms of media that they're going to have to work in when they get out into the world and not just do satellite radio? Ryan, we had an interesting challenge at Slam Radio, and you were a big part of this as well, is how do we create content with kids that don't know what the heck to talk about, right? 
Mm. No matter what you tell them, tell me what you want to talk about. Uh, uh, they, they don't, they don't want to get out of their own way. Like they, they, to get them to elaborate, it really has to be something they believe in, and then they have to have the full knowledge of it, and then they have to be inspired or or, or want to do it. So there's a lot of factors before a 16 year old does exactly what you want them to do on the air. But you came up with this interesting idea of the podcasting. You've been a podcaster for years. Uh, you introduced me to elements of podcasting that I didn't know. And all of a sudden, I said, this is a no-brainer. This is how I teach them eight minutes at a time to talk on a microphone. I have kids that are nonverbal, and they will, in a year's time, start talking on the microphone. And it's the most amazing experience to see them turn. And when you see them turn the corner, when you see that, that the results are actually happening, and I say eight minutes at a time, the secret's eight-minute segments. You give yeah, them a the short, minute shorter podcast. segments, yeah. Shortest eight-minute podcast. You teach them how to uh, edit in commercials. You teach them how to create their own commercials and promotions or promo uh, or promo liners. Um, they run the gamut. They'll do a project, and I'll give them boxes they have to check, put together, mix down a thirty-minute podcast that has three eight-minute segments, and it's fantastic because now you teach them to organize their thoughts eight minutes at a time. A lot better than eight seconds or. Or 15 seconds if it's a story on Instagram, which is how they think. <laughs> no, no, no. We get them to widen, broaden those horizons. And at the same time, tell me what you think. Not, I want you to, I want you to tell me about this. I need you to learn about this. No, 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 no. We want to talk about what we want to talk about. And I have people who love, these kids are amazing in the diversity of the, of the topics they like to speak about. Uh, whether it's, uh, some of them love crime, crime shows, uh, real crime. Uh, some of them love sports. Not as many as you think. Uh, movies, not a big deal, but I'll tell you what is a big deal is music. Wow, what a big <laughs> deal to them music is. Uh, so we have to move the needle any way we can, you know, and, and we have a lot of fun with it in the process. Well, let's talk a little bit more about sports radio here for a second, because I want to get your perspective on something that Zach and I were talking about in the first segment which is how the sports media landscape has changed. And for somebody like you who's been in sports media, who's hosted uh, you know, sports talk radio at every level through, for decades, uh, interested in your perspective on this. So 30 years ago, 20 years ago, ESPN was it, right? That was, that was where all the biggest names were. That was where you saw Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick and all those people. And that's, that was sports media. And, and everything else was just cast aside. And the conclusion that Zach and I were kind of driving at in the last segment is in the last few years, you could make the argument that the most important voices, the ones who are leading the conversation, the next generation of sports media are more independent. I think of folks like Pat McAfee. I think of folks like Dan Lebetard, uh, Katie Nolan, uh, Kelsey Nelson, who we had on the show, like a lot more of the younger generation, a lot more of these iconoclastic voices in sports media aren't coming from ESPN. There are TikTokers who have huge followings who just do these silly videos about sports that we might think are silly, but they have a much larger Gen Z audience than ESPN does. And so I'd uh, love to get your perspective on like where you know where you see sports media going is you know is the independent voice going to continue to carry the day and continue to grow in sports? Well, first and foremost, you spoke about four uh, people who do it independently and, and a shout out to Mac, Mr. McAfee, of course, but um, <laughs> Kelsey's something else, isn't she? Yeah, what a great. dynamic young lady uh, with the range that she has of knowledge and just intelligent, got all the fire 
and all the knowledge in the world as a broadcaster, as well as a, just a member of the media. Um, I really love her. You know that I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, but I can't really get into this conversation without talking about my mentor, Dan Lebetard. And, you know, I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for Dan Lebetard. Uh, Dan Lebetard is a very uniquely intelligent and wildly diverse man in his opinions and his mindsets. And what I learned the most from him was to expand and widen the horizons and make people think into those and outside of those. So if you always wonder, like in the beginning, people who didn't like Lebetard would say, he's such a contrarian. No, he makes you think about it inside out. And there's something to be said about that. And all of a sudden you apply that in life and it starts to work a little better for you. Uh, Lebetard taught me some life lessons along the way. He's been a longtime friend. And, and, and Levy, when I got into radio, I won a contest. So I never even thought like this was something that would work. But Levy taught me the right way um, to have intriguing conversation on radio. And, and, and it's been a key because I, I love the interviews I've done in my career. But more importantly, I love the fact that I can teach kids that with knowledge, they can overcome anything uh, and be the champions of whatever their cause or whatever their, you know, their goals are. He's kind of the coolest example as far as I'm concerned of what we're talking about in sports media because he whatever like the prevailing medium was in sports media, he was the at the top of it, right? In the 90s, he you could argue he was one of the biggest local newspaper columnists for sports uh, news. And then he moved into sports radio, uh, uh, terrestrial radio, when that was the place to be. When national right. syndicated radio got big, he got to be on ESPN. When podcasting was starting to overtake terrestrial radio, he had the biggest sports podcast. And now today he has an independent podcasting network, and you're seeing him start to make moves <clears throat> into new media, into live streaming, because that's where things are progressing. Like he, you know, He's always been able to ride the wave to whatever the next great medium is in sports it's it's pretty inspiring well i love what he's done and at the end of it all uh there's a shell there's an idea of what the dan levitard show is and whether some of the faces have changed and it's 10 day tony uh you know <laughs> or some of the other guys you know some of the other cats on this show the truth of the matter is is that the fodder and the level the heightened level of intellect and hysteria that go on in that show, you could put it in any time slot, you could put it in any medium, you could put it anywhere, and it would be one of the top three shows of all time. Like I, I just don't understand how he pulled this off. I've known Dan for years, and I don't know how he was able to pull this off in this manner and then keep the consistency of the show for so many years. Uh, Johnny Carson did things like that on TV, but but you know he was the same as McMahon. He's had some faces change, but you know what? You have the consistency of a great Cody who you can hear on SiriusXM, his podcast, through our partners with the Miami Herald. And you have guys on that show like Roy Bellamy. Roy Bellamy is one of the most interesting stories in the history of Dan Levitard's show. Roy Bellamy was He's the a guy producer, that was a, yeah. He, he was a fan of Dan Levitard's. He used to ride bike to the station, volunteer to clean our promotions closet, just in hopes that Levitard would walk by and he could talk to him for two minutes. <laughs> Levitard took a liking to him, brought him to the studio. They taught him how to produce. Roy Bellamy today is a huge part of that show. That's the true story of Roy Bellamy. Roy Bellamy is an amazing story. Mike Ryan. Mike Ryan's unbelievable at what he does. But look at the wide range of things that Mike Ryan does. Why, Mike Ryan lives the life of Riley. And I think that if he did any other radio show or lived any other way, he wouldn't be who he is. 
That's thanks to Levitard. So Levitard's not only a radio show, it's a mindset. And that moves his listeners. It moves people. And, and it, you know, there's a social needle that moves a little bit, whether you agree with him or not. Uh, you got to listen to him because, you know, he's smart enough to make a good point from time to time. And more often than not, he's right. So the mindset matters more than the media. If we're trying to create the next generation of sports talk or just sports media or just talk professionals. And so does that sort of influence like the philosophy and the way you teach your students where it's not as much about teaching the medium because the medium could change by the time these kids are older, but teaching them about, you know, the message, teaching them about the philosophy, because that's more portable depending on whatever the medium is going to be in 10 years from now. I'll, I'll tell them, say it like you mean it. Like, you know, say it with oomph, say it with your chest. I tell them all the time. I was like, I want you to own what you got to say, even if afterwards you go, you know what? I could have been more wrong it, because the medium is radio and you're entertaining people. But at the same time, you learn a lot about your own opinions and who you are. I develop thought processes on radio shows that I carry into my life. And now 20 years later, something I might have said on a radio show on Dos Amigos Today, it's exactly how I think and who I am. You've heard me make all the jokes. I'm not going to get deep into it, but all the Kardashian jokes. I call it the Kardashian curse with a K. And I have a whole bit that I do, Zach. I've thought of even doing a comedy routine about it. Um, but all in all, it started and permeated on radio because I made a joke one day about it uh, because uh, of a couple of men that go down in flames to the Kardashian. I just, I, I always have a joke about it. And at the end of the day, it became kind of a thing. And radio, the art becoming and imitating life. And and the beauty and the uniqueness that these kids discover over the course of four years in our program is that the same stuff they do with their friends in the slam fifth floor patio where they hang out sometimes or they practice for their sports or in the, in the cafeteria during lunch or during gym's class or during biology class, the things that they, they share it in a radio, sh uh, radio station running a radio station, on a radio show, and it becomes hysterical. Their personalities are magnified. Uh, and you said it best when you narrated our video. They, they really do become radio stars. And they understand the value of it. And it's fun to watch them morph into that. And that skill of finding your voice, right? Saying it with your whole chest, as you as you noted. That work, that's going to play just as well, whether you're in satellite radio, terrestrial radio, podcasting, TikToking, or whatever. So like that's at its core, it's about helping these kids find their voice. So, I mean, I think, you know, you're right on there. We should mention you, you, you referenced slam. So slam is not just the name of the radio station. It's also the name of this high school where the radio station is located. Really special public charter school in little Havana worth mentioning. And this is a tuition free public charter school, Zach, a, a public charter school teacher. So he, he, you know, he's, he's down with the movement and just the idea that there's this, if you look at like the little Havana skyline, you'll see like the Marlins ballpark, which is a beautiful stadium. And then right next to this, this beautiful high school, seven stories, a pedestrian bridge connecting these two separate buildings. And it's this jewel in this neighborhood, this beautiful school, that where students can go for free and it's a sports themed school, right? There are, there are kids there learning sports radio, but there's also a sports administration Academy sports medicine. Like these kids are learning the three R's like all their academic subjects, but through the lens of sports, it's, it's gotta be a pretty cool environment to, to see kids grow in. Right, man. It's diverse. It's a very cool environment for them. Uh, you have a lot of loyalty. The kid will start in sixth grade and they'll spend the next seven years of their life growing up 
they go from being a little kid to being a grown adult and talking about, you know, getting accepted to UCF or, or University of Miami. It's fun to watch these kids grow up. It's even more fun to watch them develop that voice like we talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, the irony to all this is there's no age to this. Like, we discovered that through podcasting, what develops after that uh, moves mountains. And and I don't think that the, the industry understands this yet. And you're a big podcaster, Ryan, and, and I think you can attest to it because you've seen it through my program. Um, there's a lot of life you can teach through podcasting. And there's also a lot of radio you can teach through broadcasting. So radio guys were always like, well, podcasting's not radio. It's a separate entity. Well, relax and hold your horses because <laughs> it's radio 2.0. Like, it's radio the way it ought to be. I'll press pause and I'll go to the bathroom. We could come back and listen to the rest of the show. Like, it's the way we have to have it because it's 2022. It's not, uh, you know, 1972. And, and understanding the value of that technology and using it the right way doesn't mean that we're prostituting the product. Listen, radio is the only medium that really has reinvented itself over and over again. Every time they say radio is dead, it comes back stronger than ever. And podcasting uh, has taught radio a thing or two about its own industry. And I know that it's got some financial issues right now. But at the end of the day, everyone's voice is supposed to be heard. That's at least what they say in our constitution. And if it's through podcasting, if it's on a megaphone on the corner, I believe in Jesus, whatever the case may be, we are free to speak our mind. And what a more beautiful way of doing it than on a radio medium where people, I don't know, it's such a humble way to express yourself on the radio. Slam radio is not just changing media and it's not just changing radio. It's changing communities. And I think that's the most inspiring thing about what you get to do every day, Larry. Now, Zach and I have a completely shameless request here. I know in, you know, the summertime is going to be coming up and, you know, you're not, you know, it's, it's hard to get in the building every day. You don't have many kids uh, around there, but you still have a radio station to run. Uh, we're big fans of Good Morning Amigo, your sports talk radio show that you host with these kids. If you ever need to take a day off and you need my boy Zach and me to to do a little sports talk radio, we can absolutely oh. fill in. Oh, I'm taking you up on this offer. Absolutely. Consider it done. Uh, you guys are officially the backups. Like, I mean, you're already on Slam Radio. You're part of the family. That's right. And, and this is actually very entertaining stuff that you guys put together. By all means, let's pick a day. We'll do it for sure. See, Larry, like, opened the, uh, opened the door a crack, letting break the business onto Slam Radio, and we're just going to infiltrate the whole thing now. Oh. Uh, we're going to have producer Lauren idea? breaking down, like, you know, the, the NLCS. It's going to be fantastic. Wasn't it officially like my idea? Like, Why don't you just put your podcast on the station? You're like, oh. Oh. and and we <laughs> maybe you suggested it to me. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Larry, because now I can say that I get to be on Sirius XM because it's of a, this show. So thank you. Three. You're very welcome. It was a how long is your show, Larry? Three hours, four hours? Oh, seven to noon. Okay. But Five hours. Defense. Five hours defense, of Zach crying about the Broncos. If that's not good radio, I don't know what is. I miss defense, the Orton years. <laughs> you're funny. To my defense, I still have classes to manage. So we do use technology and we do replay a few segments here and there to tie in the five hours. But we generally, even at worst, do between two to three and a half hours a day of content. I miss the Orton years. Are the some of the, the saddest words I've ever heard uttered? All right, Larry. Uh, again, we'll tell people you can find out more about Larry's work by following Larry at the Amigo 
and checking out SiriusXM 145. Before we let you go, Larry, one last question. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? So I think it's, it's valuable to know your own worth by virtue of having your goal, knowing what you want to attain as a goal, and then using every possible resource to get to that goal. Today, those resources are social media. And I think it's super important um, that if you can create a way to identify who you are, uh, the amigo, that was a great little job. I had a manager name me that. So we went with it and I ran with it. You know, officially, I've never loved the name very much. Um, but it, that's who I am. I'm the amigo. I got to run with it, right? Uh, but, you know, make sure you have your logo. Make sure you have things that make folks identify to you. Make sure you're doing content and uploading it on iTunes and Spotify and using every imaginable resource uh, available to you free or at very little cost and do it and get your name out there through social media. Do not be afraid to self-promote. Do not be afraid to collaborate and self-promote. Um, these social media out, uh, these social media programs, and sometimes they actually have uh, part like Instagram, those things where you can dual post. And those are collaborations that a lot of time work very well. Now, uh, be careful, be consistent. And, and again, remember that your listeners want to hear you. They have a jillion choices. Don't tune them out. Make it about them, not about you. Larry, great perspective. Thank you so, so much. Don't be a stranger. Um, we'd love to have you Anytime. on again real soon. All right? Anytime, my friends. Take care. I expect to see you at the studio soon. Absolutely. No, we'll, right. we're going to make it happen. Ryan Absolutely. and Zach on Good Morning Amigo. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Zach's going to pine for the days of one Kyle Orton. It will be uh, spectacular. Kyle! Uh, so... <laughs> So, Lauren, uh, real quick, before we sign off for this week, can we ask ChatGPT if he has any, uh, he or assuming the gender, if it has any last tips for the indie creators to help us help them move their careers forward? We can close with that. I'm interested in, in, in knowing what our AI overlords think that indie artists should do. <laughs> oh, we're actually typing this in real time. This is fantastic. Oh, Oh, this should be fun. Yeah, this should be fun. I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be as good as Larry's answer. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any <laughs> stuff like that was truly heartfelt. There's only so much humanity uh, that this thing is capable Dude. of. While we're waiting for the answer, uh, my thanks to uh, co Zach Sloan. My thanks to you, Larry. Our thanks to producer Lauren for uh, doing a great show. A quick programming note. Uh, we're going to be taking the show on the 28th off. So next week's going to be our last show of the year. Oh, here we go. What's it saying? So I had to ask the question twice. Oh, wait, it's going to give it to it. Okay. Can somebody read that? <laughs> it does say that I don't have personal experience as an indie creator. However, based on what I've learned, <laughs> then it goes on to we're now at 0.5. Oh, my God. It's giving it's us a lot of going. advice. Okay, let's just, okay. It, it, dot, it just, dot, dot. I hope this was helpful. It just vomited like a thousand <laughs> pieces of amazing advice. Okay, the first one is focus on creating high quality content and consistently, oh, wait, what does that say? And consistently putting, putting it, putting out, it out, there. out there. Yep. This will help you build an audience and gain recognition for your work. That's amazing advice. I'm not going to give you the other five pieces of advice because I'm already afraid enough of this technology as it is. Uh, sorry, Thank, you all. <laughs> Thank you all for checking out. Break the business, people. 
We'll see you next week.